This is a sermon series entitled Ears to Hear. We've been through a few weeks now. Uh, week one, we looked at Luke chapter 8, uh, spoke some things about it, uh, Luke chapter 8, and uh, looked into Ears to Hear. And uh, last week, Acts chapter 16, where the Apostle Paul uh, was uh, met in a vision and spoken to by the Spirit of God to not go where he wanted to go, but come to Macedonia. And we invited our missionaries here last week, the McCoins. How many love them? Amen. What an awesome young couple uh, giving their lives to the kingdom of God and uh, willing to go abroad and, and uh, go to a region where it needs to hear about the kingdom of, of God and the, and the life of Jesus. And just grateful to get to know them. And, and it's a picture. What they was doing was a picture of Acts chapter 16 where that Paul got called to a different region than what he even thought about going or what he intended and it's kind of like that for the McCoins that they didn't really understand or didn't know or had these other ideals and she learned Spanish in school and going through all that she had what she thought but then what God said was something different and it's like that for a lot of us amen that sometimes we got an ideal of what we want to do but then God says no you need to do this and the thing we need to do in those instances is do what the McCoins did listen to God and do what he says Look at your neighbor and say, won't you listen to God and do what he says? That's pretty simple, right? It's an easy steps for success. I really believe that, that God knows better. Uh, his will for our life is better than our will for our life. And if God tells us something, it's for our betterment, uh, even though sometimes it may not, it may even take you into a region where it's going to give you some heartache, going to give you some pain, and going to cause you some uncertainties, and maybe you don't know everything that's going on, but that's okay. Amen. It's kind of like the McCoins, I was saying, you know, that as they're called into ministry, I can't imagine being 24, 25, they're getting ready to turn 25 years old and, and just getting started in life, just getting out of college and God calling you somewhere like that to Japan and uh, wish them good success and good uh, uh, ministry involvement over there. I did watch the church service of the church where they're going to attend last night. I watched it on my phone, uh, the joys of the 21st century, right? But uh, can you imagine being 25 years old and not knowing a whole lot about life and God calling you to do something like that and then uh, having to go in churches and ask for money, to ask for donations? How many of you like to walk up to your friends or relatives or neighbors and ask them to borrow some money or ask them if they can give you some money? Anybody like doing that? Anybody enjoy doing that? I remember having to do that one time. I got behind on my checkbook and I messed up adding some tracting and that trip from... Quincy to Briary, which is not very far, well, it seemed like an eternity because I had to drive up to mom and dad's and I had to ask dad to borrow money to help me in borrowing that money to get my checkbook back to current so that I wasn't overdrawn. And perhaps that was no fun, having to ask my dad for borrowing money. Uh, but I made up my mind right then, I don't want to do that again. I don't want to get in that situation again. It was really uncomfortable having to ask somebody for money. And can you imagine being 25 years old and having to go to there's 160 churches, Assembly God churches, just in Kentucky. And can you imagine having to travel to those 160 churches and going in and staying with people? They stayed all night with me and Leslie the night before. They'd never met us before. 25 years old, walk into a complete stranger's house, stay all night, and go to their church the next morning and ask for money. Can you see the uncomfort in that? The discomfort, the ability to, man, I, I don't like being in that situation. But if call, God calls you to do something, even those uncertainties or those discomforts are for his purpose. Amen? So it's that way in your life. If God calls you to do something, you'll say, well, that's, that's uncomfortable, God. I guarantee you what you're going to get called to do, well, unless you get called to be a missionary and go ask for money, what you're getting called to do is not as discomfort as what it is for them to have to go to a changer's church and ask for donations to raise money and financing to go. And I know Bethesda is going to be great to McCoyne's uh, throughout their missionary careers, and I'm excited to hear the future of what all they're going to do in Japan, and I'm just looking forward to it because it's like Acts chapter 16. They had ears to hear, and they're doing something about it, and they do really covet your prayers, and I loved uh, getting to talk to them uh, last Saturday night and welcoming into our home. And oftentimes we do that as a church. We welcome the missionaries in. We, we invite them to stay in people's homes because there's no hotel in Lewis County, for one. <laughs> so uh, if somebody wants to build a hotel, go ahead and get that done. Uh, it'd be nice to have one in Lewis County, but uh, there's not one here at the moment. So we always just, uh, we call it home openers. 
and we ask people to invite the missionaries into their home and spend the evening with them, and it's just a joy to get a, a welcome in, uh, even though they're complete strangers. Because when I welcome them in, I look at them like Jesus. And if Jesus was coming to town and wanted to preach the next morning, would have let him stay all night with me. And that's the way I look at the missionaries when they come. And me and Leslie's welcomed, I don't know how many in our home uh, since we've been in ministry. It's been a lot. And it's always a joy. And it's fun. So if you're ever interested in that, please get with us. We'd uh, love to maybe hook you up. Um, sometimes they bring kids. We've had kids break mantles and... Uh, we've had kids tear up stuff, missionaries' kids. So uh, don't expect the perfect world when they come, but it's okay. Um, let's look at Luke chapter 8 uh, for our text that we're looking at in this sermon series entitled Ears to Hear. Luke chapter 8. And it came to pass afterward that he went throughout every city and village preaching and showing glad tidings of the kingdom of God, and the twelve were with him. Never do ministry alone. Somebody say amen. That is a way of life here at Bethesda. Never do ministry alone. I teach uh, our leadership whenever uh, people comes on board and they take over a department or a, a, a process of, the, of Bethesda's ministry. I always tell them never do ministry alone. That If you're going to go do a hospital visit, don't go and just do it by yourself. Grab somebody else in the church and take them with you. And, and whatever you do, you help build other people's ability to think and know it's okay to walk in the hospital room and pray for somebody that's sick and we build disciples by mentoring each other together amen so jesus didn't go to these cities and villages alone to preach he took 12 people with him he took disciples with him so you whatever ministry you're in if you're doing something if you're a children's church worker don't do children's church work alone and don't take all the burden on your own shoulders invite somebody else to come along and say man you ought to get involved it's not really that hard it's not really that difficult to go down and teach a bunch of little hoodlums at bethesda it's okay amen they're a bunch of hoodlums anyway it's okay get involved and get in ministry um for the children's church, though, we do have to go through a process, and we do background checks for all of our children's church workers. We do background checks for the safety, security of the kids. we got a two-person rule that nobody's allowed down there around the kids by themselves to protect the kids and protect Bethesda. Amen. It's just wisdom. It's what God teaches us. It's what I've learned by doing ministry. It's important for us to always do that. And congratulations to the youth. You guys need to go down and see the room. They put a lot of hard work in it. The youth has been down here all week long. Uh, I was down here late one night eating pizza and painting uh, one night this week, uh, helping them get the room ready. And you ought to go down and see it. It's really awesome, uh, a place for them to get to do ministry and provide ministry for youth. So after service, please go downstairs, and, and I'm sure Jill will be there to welcome you with a smile and tell you how pretty it is. She was down there turning the lights on a while ago, getting it ready so everybody can come and see. So uh, congratulations to the youth. Uh, they do want to do some other things, so we're going to try to help them in every way we can to make it the best place possible that they can invite their friends to come and meet Jesus. Amen? Amen. The only reason we have this building is so people can come and meet Jesus. That's our goal in all of it. But Jesus was there preaching in all these cities and these towns, and he's bringing glad tidings. He was fulfilling things that was spoken about him at his birth. There's one coming that he'll bring glad tidings and great joy that some of the angels declared and, and the different ones prophesied about who Jesus was when he was born. And here Jesus is doing what other people said the Spirit of God through them said he would be doing. Jesus did what he was told to do. And Jesus was there and he's preaching to these people. And can you imagine him going out to these cities and these villages? And these are little bitty places. This is little bitty cities and villages, kind of like Kentucky Heights. Who even knows there's even a town, or not, not even a town, it's not even a village really. It's, it's, it's uh, not even on the map per se, but here we've got a Kentucky Heights sign out by the road. This is Kentucky Heights where we're sitting today. We're on the property of Kentucky Heights. And as we're here today, we go to these little villages. And sometimes uh, some people say, well, I want to go into ministry, and they look for the biggest church. They look for somewhere with big, huge buildings and with all kinds of resources, and they'll look and say, well, what's the population density and how many people's there? But Jesus went to these little bitty towns just like where we're sitting today. And sure, Jesus, we see in Scripture that he would go to Jerusalem a few times a year for the festivals, and he would go there and preach. And he went there one time and turned over their tables, didn't he? 
He turned their world upside down. But here he's bringing glad tidings. How many wants Jesus to bring glad tidings to your house? Amen. Bring some glad tidings to my house, Jesus. Bring some glad tidings to Kentucky Heights. Bring glad tidings to Vanceburg, Kentucky. Bring glad tidings wherever you want us to have our campus. Jesus, come and bring ministry to us and through us. Amen. So God is doing that here today. And Jesus went to these cities and he did that. And he didn't have a respect of persons. He didn't say, like most people that's successful, they'll say, well, you're not successful unless you've got a mega church somewhere and you have to have thousands in your membership. But as I look around Bethesda, I see a healthy, vibrant church in a rural setting that I'm proud of. Amen. I'm proud to be a part of something like this that God is doing, that it's multi-site, multi-campuses in rural communities preaching Jesus and doing ministry. We're fulfilling the word of God. We're doing what Jesus did. And I'm proud just to be a part of it, ain't you? Ain't you excited that God uses simple, ordinary people like you and I? That Cindy can stand at the back door and welcome people in and say, Good to see you this morning. Glad you're here. Welcome to Bethesda. That there's teachers down there teaching today. Little kids, glad you're here at Bethesda. That Brantley and Liam can come up and grab the offering plates and take off around and take up the offering. How awesome that those little kids are always going to remember being a part of worshiping Jesus and bringing glad tidings to hearts. It makes me excited when I'm here, and I get to leave with glad tidings in my heart because I know I've met God. Amen? Amen? So Jesus spoke to everyone. He didn't just pick out certain places. He went wherever they was at. And some people say, you know, that you can't have successful ministry in rural communities. It's thousands of churches close every week in America. Thousands of churches close every week in America because people think it's unsuccessful to have 10 people show up and have a church service because they look at somewhere like in Portsmouth that they've got 400 set in some of their churches today. Well, how many people live there versus how many people live in Kentucky Heights? So it's not about numbers in big volume. It's about reaching people where you're at. And that's what Jesus did. He touched people wherever they were at. Verse 2, we'll start, continue on there. And certain women which had been healed of evil spirits... And infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, out of whom went seven devils. And Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's steward, and Susanna, and many others, which ministered to him of their substance. And when much people were gathered together and were come to him, out of every city he spoke by a parable. So whenever Jesus began to preach and he went through and doing this ministry, it affected a lot of people. So people started coming from everywhere. Isn't it kind of amazing that we got people here today from Ohio? That's over here in Kentucky Heights. We got people from Black Oak up here at Kentucky Heights. We got people from Garrison up here at Kentucky Heights. There's Quincy people from Kentucky Heights. There's people that live in Greenup County here today at Kentucky Heights. People are coming. Why? Because they're hearing the word of Jesus. It's just like this picture of what we're reading. It's like the scripture is still alive here where we're at today. How many people has been healed the way this is talking about here? That Jesus had healed people and they come because of the healing that had happened in their life. Some people gave to the work of Jesus. Why? Because he had blessed them so much that they thought, what else can I do but give back to the one that's given everything for me? Amen? It's just a small part what we can do. And Joanna, the wife of Susan, Herod Stewart, she was there. Susanna, many others, which he administered unto him with her substance. And when people were gathered together, which came to him out of every city, he spoke by a parable. So Jesus spoke in a way here that we're going to see and hear. A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trodden down. And the fowls of the air devoured it. And some fell upon a rock. As soon as it was sprung up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. And some fell among the thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it out. And others fell on good ground and sprang up and bare fruit a hundredfold. And when he had said these things, he cried, He that has ears to hear, let him hear. Everybody say, let us hear. 
And his disciples asked him, saying, What does this parable mean? What can this be? And he said, Unto you it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to others in parables that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not hear. Now the parable is this, The seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are those that hear. Then cometh the devil, and taketh away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. They on the rock are they which hear, receive the word with joy, and these have no root, which for a while believe, and in time of temptation fall away. And they which fell among the thorns are they, which when they have heard, go forth, and are choked out with the cares and the riches and pleasures of this life, and bring forth no fruit to perfection. But they on the good ground are they which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word of God, keep it and bring forth fruit with patience. Everybody's got to have patience. We all got to have some patience. Amen. Not like hospital patience, but patience is in a virtue. No man, when he hath lighted a candle, covered it with a vessel, or put it under a bed, but seeth it set a candle on the candlestick, that they which enter may see the light. For nothing is secret that shall not be made manifest, neither anything hid that shall not be known and come abroad. Take heed, therefore, how you hear. For whosoever says to him shall be, whoever hath to him shall be given, and to whomever hath not from him shall be taken even that which was a, he seemeth to have. Then came him, came to him, his mother and his brethren. And they could not get to him for the press because of the crowd. And it was told to him that certain which ones, and they said, Your mother and your brother stand out desiring to see you. And he answered and said to them, My brethren and my mother are these which hear the word of God and do it. Jesus wants a big family. Amen? His family isn't just DNA, his family are the believers. And the doers of the word of God. Now it came to pass on a certain day that when he went into a ship, ship with his disciples. Well, let's stop there. We're stopping there. We're going to get into another story if we don't watch. So Jesus going into these valleys, going into these regions going into these regions of Israel that was desert places. If you ever get a chance, go through and, and study a little bit about the geographical places of Israel. Understand what it means when it says Jesus was from Galilee. Understand what the Sea of Galilee is. Understand what's going on around there and look at the vegetation and some of the different things that happened. There was places things could grow and there was places that things couldn't grow. And Jesus is using the region and things that people see and know as true and using them as an example that other people can know what he's saying in these parables. So this was people that knew what it mean, meant whenever he said that some would fall by the track, you know, the path. What kind of path is that? It's a footpath. It's You ever seen a field with cattle in it and all those fields out there and there's cattle walking around everywhere and they're out there eating and mooing and laying around. But if you look back towards the barn, there will be one single path, won't they? That all those cattle will get on the same path and they'll trod back across going towards the barn and they'll wear out a piece of ground completely to bare dirt walking the same path. There could be 50 cattle and they'll walk along the same little old two-foot wide path wearing it out. Why is that? Because they're a whole lot like humans. Amen? We get stuck in a path where we do what everybody else does. We get stuck in this, in this life doing what other people do, and we, we're led astray by people doing the things they're doing, and we just follow along because we don't want to be against the rule. We don't want to be outside the path, right? We don't want to stick out. And that's what... Brother McCoy said last week that, you know, that's the, the proverb over in, in Japan is if you stick out, you get hammered. The, the nail that sticks out the most gets hammered down the first. I love that quote. I read it in a book a few years ago. And he said that the other day, and it's like, that's the truth. If a nail sticks out, it gets drove down. 
And in society, if we stick out, it feels like everybody's going to be beating on me. Amen? Anybody ever feel like that? feels like whenever you start to stick out or you try to be a Christian or you try to speak for God, the next thing you know that everybody's beating on you, it's what the Word of God says. And Jesus said, if, if, you, if you just stay in the footpath and if you just stay with the simple things of life and do what everybody else does, then you're going to be going along and the Word of God won't grow in your life because you're not out there where it needs to be that it can take root. You're going to get trampled down. That happens. That happens to Christians. Amen? If we just fall in the pathway and just stay with what's calm and stay with what's cool and stay with what's just easy, no wonder we'll never have any fruit. It's going to get stomped down. Then he said also there's regions and there's places that there's rocks. And you can throw seeds out on rocks and rocks won't grow anything. Spent all my life on Brary up there before the double highway come through, and we had this little piece of flat ground, maybe four or five acres there. And Dad, he, we, we throwed thousands and thousands of rocks out of that garden. Every year he'd go through there to the plow pipe, and he'd, he'd pull up, and there'd be a bunch more rocks. And you'd go down there as kids, and you'd take all them rocks and throw them over in the creek. And by, after, I don't know, 10 years of that, eventually it was like he'd go through and plow, and no more new rocks was coming up. Then he'd have you picking up little rocks and throwing them. Just to get more rocks out, right? Because rocks don't grow anything. You can't grow fruit on rocks. And rocks and symbolic here, I think, of hard people. People with a hard shell. And it's oft times that we see these hard people, these, these people that are, are gruff and maybe kind of mean and grouchy and, and cantankerous. And you look at them and you think, well, I don't know that the Word of God can ever do anything in that. Just don't make much sense to even go and talk to them, to witness to them. You think it just can't work. But I can tell you this, of being around and seeing people in ministry for a long time now, that I, you'll see people that's really hard and puts on this big front of being tough. Usually the ones that's hardest on the outside are softest on the inside. Amen? Once you can get God to crack them, that's where God begins to do work. And I'm telling you from Dusty's sermon series that he done in January and he talked about how that God wants to take our stony heart and give us a heart of flesh. It's the word of God that says that God can change your hard heart into a soft heart if you allow him to. If you open up your heart and say, God, today I can see through this message that this is for me and he's talking about me and I tried to be this hard individual that I won't let nobody in and I put up all these bears and I don't need anybody saying anything to me and I just want to be gruff and mean and that way they'll leave me alone. And maybe you're here today sitting and thinking, well, that's me. Well, the word of God can penetrate your heart and grow from the inside out because he will crush the hard parts of your life and make it something good. Amen. We live in a place where there's sandstone. You can put creek rock on your road and drive on it over a few months, and next thing you know, it's nothing but mud, isn't it? You can make dirt out of rocks. It'll work if you let God break you in pieces to where you can become a fertile place that things can grow. He talked about the thorns coming up, the, a place where maybe it's good ground, but it's, it's somewhere that grows a lot of thorns because nobody tends to it, nobody takes care of it. So there's people out there that they won't let anybody say anything to them. They won't let anybody give them any advice. They won't listen to any opinions. They won't read any new books. They won't go to the Bible to try to find out how to get through life. And they wonder because all these thorns is going to grow up. Anytime you go to a piece of ground and if you don't take care of it, it will grow up. Amen? Look up and down these pastures all down through here. Look over here where the powerhouse bought this back in the 70s and bought hundreds of acres up along the, across the river, right across the railroad track right there. And look up through there. Every bit of it's grown up in trees. Fifty years ago, that was farms. People was farming and growing corn and hay and all their soybeans and all different kinds of things. And now because the power company bought it and they don't do anything with it, it just grows up. It's a natural thing, and it's that way in our life. If we won't let the Word of God or the people and the ministers of the Word of God speak into our lives and let it take out those thorns or take out the thistles or take out the things trying to grow that don't need to be there, guess what? It's going to choke it out. It's going to choke out the Word of God. And whenever it chokes it out, if you don't get enough of the Word of God, you're going to dry up. Somebody say amen. It's a truth. 
I don't like being a pastor that beats up on people. I like to build you up. I want you to leave here encouraged. I want you to leave out of here with your smile on your face today. Do you say, man, I've been to the house of God and I felt the presence of God. That song when Leslie was singing a while ago, I want to be undone. I want to be undone the way it was singing. Amen? Those words aren't just words on the screen. I want God to do that. I want to open up my heart. I want God to do something in my life here today, don't you? Because that's the ground where it says it's fertile ground, and it will produce fruit. You know what the fruit of the Spirit is according to Galatians? Love, joy, peace, temperance, meekness. It, it goes through all these things, and it gives you nine fruits of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5. How many would like to have some love in your life? Amen? That there's love in my heart that I can love people that I didn't love when I walked in this room. That there's some people that it just kind of messes me up. And whenever I look up on the board here and it says love God and love people, that we walk out of this room and that's truly who we are. That there's a love for God coming out of our heart. That there's a love for people coming out of our heart because we come to church today. Amen. Fertile ground will be that fruit. Joy. How many would like to have some joy? Amen? The joy of the Lord it's, your, it's, it's, it's just uh, it's your strength is what the scripture says. How many would like to be strong today when they walk out there? A strong Christian. Why? Because i got joy in my heart. Why? I'm smiling because God made me happy in this place today. Amen? Peace. Woo. Boy, if that's not needed, I need some peace. Amen. My family, they won't give me any peace. My grandma calls me late at night. This is your grandma. She's sitting right here. It's your grandma Francis. Yeah, I know. I got caller ID. Pray for me. I do. What are you doing? Nothing. Watching TV. Just wants to talk. But that brings us peace. Knowing she's okay. Amen. Amen. And it brings her peace. Amen. Knowing she's got a grandson that answered the phone. Say, hi, Grandma. How are you doing? How's it going? What'd you do today? You can ask about 10, 15 questions, and it just makes her day better. You ought to do that. If you still got a grandpa, grandma, mom, dad, sister, brothers, Amen. give them a call. Yeah. Text them. Tell them you love them. Tell them you went to church today, and God had a good day with you, and your life is full. Be a blessing to somebody. Amen. That's fruit Amen. that the world needs. Amen. That's fruit that the world needs to see out of the church. Amen. That the church is a place that people love God and they love people. Yes. And my life has changed because of him. I went through a, a minister's meeting a, a, a few years ago and, and a pastor of a mega church down in, in Louisville invited me down for, and there's eight individuals. He draws names out of a hat. Everybody puts their name in on a, on a thing and, and he just draws eight, eight names out of the hat three different times a year and he invites you down to come and sit through training. It's Bob Russell. It's a big Christian church down in, in Louisville. It's the seventh biggest church in America. And, and he retired from it. So he said after he retired, what am I going to do to still minister to people? Because you can retire and still do ministry. Amen. As a preacher, a preacher can retire and still do ministry. So he said, I'm going to minister to pastors of rural communities. He said, I'm going to be like Jesus. I want, I, want to, I want to be an encouragement to those people in these little bitty churches out here that are closing by the thousands every, every week, and I, I want to be an encouragement to them. So he invited me up, and I, I come up to, uh, and my name come up. He drew it out of a hat. I'm one of eight you know, that's going down there out of thousands that put their name in for this, this uh, coaching. And I go down there, and whenever I get down there, he, he has this woman to come in that's got this system that she, she has that she uses to help pastors know uh, what's going on as far as different types of people that in every church or in every congregation or in society that there's different types of people. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm glad I ain't like you. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> I'm glad I'm not like you. Leslie said it to Josiah. He's probably thinking, man, I'm glad I'm not like you, right? Oh, to Jill, poor little Jill. Love you, Jill. Yeah. So wherever she done this study, and you had to answer so many questions and take this little survey, and it tells you what type of personality you are, that there are four different types of people. And it's called the DISC profile. Has anybody ever heard of that, D-I-S-C, DISC profile? Uh, you can find all kinds of 
tools and aids. There's websites that does it, and there's YouTube videos that talk about it. You ought to go look into it because it teaches you how to get along. <laughs> how many knows that's what humanity needs, amen, how to get along because people don't get along very good anymore. It's getting worse all the time, it seems like. But this this profile teaches you how to get along. So the D stands for a dominant type person. That's the person that makes decisions and, and don't care who it hurts or what their feelings are or anything else. And then you got this uh, influence type person that worries about uh, can I influence this or will they have influence on me? And then there's this person that's the S is a steady person. That's just one that wants to maintain and keep it uh, exactly like it is, no change and nothing new. And it's a different type of personality. And then there's this compliance person that wants to follow every dot and every tittle and make sure it's black and white and it's all about compliance and it's all about meeting deadlines. And Well, you wrote that down you had a budget and if you miss it, oh, the world's going to fall apart. So there's a compliance type person. And it's real. The more I'm around humanity, I've seen that this is absolutely true. And I've used it in management. I've used it in, in my life altogether in ministry too. But whenever I look around, I try to figure out what type of person is that. So usually you're really strong suited in one of them, and the second one's your secondary, and you can figure out what type of person you is, and it tells you your spectrum of where you're at and the type of people you don't deal with very well. And it, and it, and it coaches you of how to deal with people that you don't like very much. Maybe I'm the only one in here that's got people that I don't like very much. Is there some people in here? Is there somebody you can say, yeah, Pastor, I, I can think about that. I, there's a few people I don't like very much. And usually it's their personality is what you don't like. It's not the individual. It's not the person. It's their personality. If you learn how to deal with that, God can use this word to change our heart to where we learn how to deal with people. Amen? Because Jesus didn't preach to just one type of person. I can guarantee you if there was crowds and there was people, so many people that even his mom and his brothers couldn't get to him, that's a pretty crowded place, isn't it? So Jesus there preaching to everybody. There's crowds and there's multitudes. One time he fed 3,000. Another time he fed 5,000. There's a lot of people coming to see Jesus. And I can assure you if there's 5,000 people sitting there that there's a bunch of these different type of profile people in the crowd. And Jesus was preaching to all of them. Sometimes we try to decide who God wants to talk to and who's worthy of God's word. Wherever Jesus is set back and telling us, Spread the word everywhere and let me worry about whether it grows or not. Amen. Preach Jesus to everybody, whether you like them or not. Amen? Amen. Because society told Jesus, don't go into Samaritan. Don't go, don't go talk to that woman. You're not allowed to talk to a woman, Jesus. You ain't married. You ain't allowed to talk to a woman. He's sitting in the well and he talks to her. Remember? Samaritan sitting there at the well, and she comes to him. She walks away, and she goes back into town and said, I met somebody today, and it changed my life. If you meet Jesus, your life has changed. And she preaches Jesus to the Samaritan community of Jesus. She preaches his word to the whole community. And they say, surely something's going on, and they go out to find out. Can I tell you that people's nosy? Amen. Especially Lewis County people. Can I get a good Amen. Can I tell you, Appalachian people are pretty nosy. They worry about what the next town's doing. Amen? They worry, well, what's going on over there? People are pretty nosy in general. They want to find out. They'll go look for themselves. So this message today, 420 years of silence that people talk about between the Old Testament and New Testament. From the time Malachi closes out the Old Testament, and it's the end of it, end of the Old Testament, it's 420 years later before the New Testament begins. There's not one word written about what God said for 420 years. All the other times of history, somebody was always writing something, and that's how we have the Old Testament in our Bibles. Somebody's always writing, this is what God said. And then we come to Malachi, and it just shuts off. It's like turning off a water faucet. It's just gone. Nothing said. And 420 years of complete silence. Anybody ever heard of the silent treatment? Yeah? Silent treatment? That's how I treat Leslie when I get mad. It is. Can I be truthful with you guys? Can I be a real pastor or do I got to put on a face and act like I'm somebody that I'm not? I'm the silent treatment. That's who I am. That's the type of person I am. I don't, whenever I get mad, I just don't want to talk. I just want to just shut up. Oh, she's pointing to Jason. Poor Jason. He's getting pointed out too. We're all, there's some of us like that, right? 
Leslie, if she'll wear me out, she'll just stand there. What, what are you mad about? It just makes me more mad. Come on, somebody. So she tells me, well, we got to talk about it. Well, I don't want to talk about it. I'm using a silent treatment right now. It's unhealthy, I'll tell you that. The Bible says don't let the sun go down on your wrath. What that means is before you go to bed, you better talk about it. You guess what I do at about 11 o'clock at night wherever I'm at, and I'm still bulled up, and I'm still being stubborn, and I'm still being hateful. Unless they come in there, you sure you don't want to talk? Love you. <laughs> Aggravates me to death, Brandon. Because sometimes whenever I go into that mode, I can go two or three days and not say a word. Can I be honest? That's how I am. But the Word of God says... Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. So what am I going to do? What I want to do or what the Word of God tells me to do? i got to get better. Amen? Amen? And if I want the Word of God growing in my life, i got to do what it says to do. So this 420 years of silence, do you think God is manipulative like that? Because really that's what the silent treatment is, is about manipulation. Because if I can manipulate her into coming around to my side by the silent treatment and eventually breaking her down, eventually she gives in and I get what I want. Right? It always works. No, it don't. I always, I always lose. Sorry. Can't lie and preach at the same time. But do you think, do you think we serve a God that's like that? I'm glad God ain't like me. Can somebody say amen? I'm glad God ain't like me. And there's some people that say that you know God was silent for 420 years. I'll tell you right now, God was not silent for 420 years because he's a God that loves us. He's a God that gave his son to die on the cross in our place, in our stead. That's the God I serve, is the God of love, the God that speaks when we need to hear. God was speaking just because nobody wrote it down don't mean he was silent. Just because nobody was listening doesn't mean he wasn't speaking. Amen? And I can tell you this today, that God has been speaking ever since the beginning of the foundation of the earth. He is continuously continuing to speak to humanity. He don't give the silent treatment. So if you go all the way through the Bible and you start out in Genesis and you'll see that God was there and he spoke the word of God into, in the world into existence. So God said, let there be light. God said, let there be ocean. God said, he's a speaking God. So as God speaks, things happen. He's a creation. He's, he's a creator. Creation happens when he creates. And he looks down on the ground and he says, you know what? I've got all these animals. He spoke these animals in existence. He spoke the birds in the air and spoke the fish in the sea. And, and he spoke and he looked down and he said, you know what? I'm going to get involved in this a little bit. And I'm going to go down and I'm going to form somebody out of the dust of the ground. And I'm going to breathe. I'm going to speak life. And that dirt is going to become a living being. And that's going to be Adam. And he called him Adam. We know the story, right? That there's Adam and Eve, and they have kids. And next thing you know, that Cain kills Abel. And because of the sin that they had created, they had took for forbidden fruit. And when all this happens, I'm trying to get through this real quick because I'm at the end of my sermon. Leslie's leaning forward. That's my, that's my picture. Hurry up. I'm hurrying. Adam and Eve. Cain kills Abel. Seth's born. They end up with other kids, and now there's more, and then they're populating the earth, and everything's going really good. And then, then there's all these people out here on earth, and they thought, looking, and they're here, and they're th thinking they're hearing God, and they're like, wow, I want to be like God. And it says they build a tower, and they, as they're building on this tower, and they're trying to get up to heaven, and they're trying to make a way to God, then whenever it gets so high that God looks down, he says, I can't let that happen. You can't never get to me, so I'm going to go down there, and I'm going to tear your tower down. How many need God to tear your tower down so you'll quit trying to be God? Amen? I don't need to be God of my life. I've got a God of my life, and his name is Jesus. Amen? My life's a lot better when I listen to him than when I listen to me. So God tears down their tower, and he confuses their language, and they're all over the land. And next thing you know, God's looking down, and people become so evil. And he looks down, and he's like, man, that's a mess. There's a, there's a messed up population down there. And he says, I need, to, I need to purge it a little bit. I need to work on it. I need to tend this field a little bit. And he looks down, and he, he finally says, and he goes down, and he meets, and he talks to this one guy. And he says, hey, Noah, guess what, buddy? you got to build a boat. It's going to rain. It had never rained. So God goes down and talks to Noah, and Noah's like, okay. And he goes over there, and he cuts down trees, and he begins building a boat. How many of you would build a boat if there was no rain or never had been rain? 
It's called faith. He builds the boat, 40 days rain. You know the whole story. Next thing you know, it floods, and everybody's dead but him and his family. Then they go on, they create, and they, they make more kids, and the population begins to thrive again. And next thing you know, the God comes down, and he speaks to this guy named Adam, and he's over in the earth of the Chaldeans, and he, he tells him, go to this land, I'm going to show you, and I'm going to bless you. Gets over there. Adam, Abraham, Leslie got me. She's lining me out. See, you know what's like. Abraham, actually it's Abram at that time. So Abram, go over to this land. I'm going to show you. I'm going to make you a father of many nations. Abraham does what God says, and he goes over into Israel, and he gets down into there, and he, he goes through this story, and you know he ends up in his 90s, and, and God said, I'm going to give you kids. Can you imagine being 90 years old, not having any kids, and living with a promise that God said, I'm going to give you something? Francis is getting ready to have another, another kid. She probably wishes she could make another one. Better grandson, wouldn't you? You're going to have another baby. No, you're going to have a baby. I know. You're going to have a baby. She's like, no, that ain't happening. <laughs> <laughs> that's what Sarah said next thing you know Sarah has a baby within a year she has a baby it's like wow only God can do something like that so it's Abraham, Isaac and Jacob and Jacob has 12 sons and we know the story right that Joseph goes down into Egypt and next thing you know God begins to bless and God's speaking to Joseph and God's always speaking Amen. God is always speaking. And God speaks to Joseph and tells him, go over to do this and do that, and I'm, I'm going to bless you. He becomes a blessing. His father comes down. They live in Egypt. Next thing you know, 400 years later, God's still speaking to the children of Israel. And they're there, and there's this guy named Moses is born, and he ends up put out in a bulrush, and he's out in the water because his mom was supposed to kill him when he was born, but she wasn't because she heard God something from God. And next thing you know, here's Moses. He grows up in Pharaoh's house, and then, then God speaks to him one day and tells Moses that, you know, that after he had sinned and he had killed an Egyptian. God's, God even used murderers. Amen? God can use murder. He can use you. And he tells Moses, go back and tell Pharaoh, let my people go. What's Moses do? He does what God says. He hears and does. Goes back, tells Pharaoh, let my people go. No, I'm not done it. God sends the plagues. Plagues, you know the story. They're not, these different plagues come. Nine of these plagues come. And eventually at the end of them, when the last one, when Pharaoh's son dies, he finally says, Moses, get your people and get out of here and take your stuff with you. They take off. They go into the land of Israel. Moses is over there leading the children of God. They're there in the land. They love it. Then there's judges come along. There's a season of judges where God allows judges. Deborah, multiple different judges. Lead the children of Israel. And all of a sudden the children of Israel is like, well, every, every other place out here, all these other societies, they got kings. I want a king. God says, you don't need a king. I give you judges. You're different. But God, we want one. In other words, God, I'm not listening to you. Nah, 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 boo, boo. I don't do what I want to do. They get them a king, what happens? It messes up all their society. If we don't listen to God, we pay the price. Saul comes, David comes, Solomon comes, you know the story. Multiple different kings. Then the prophets come, and the prophets all speak. And they write down what God says. That is your Old Testament in a seven-minute version. But at the end of it, was God still speaking? Are we going to blame God for not speaking when it's actually us not listening? That's my question for today. Having ears to hear, am I going to blame God for the troubles in my life Am I finally going to take ownership and say, you know what? I'm going to confess. The Bible says confession is good for the soul. If 
confess your faults one to another that you may be healed. It's in James that says that. I'm not saying we're going to be like the Catholics and I'm going to sit in a little booth and I'm going to tell you to come in and tell everything you did wrong. I'm going to tell you to talk to each other. Amen. Call somebody else and say, I'm dealing with this. I'm going through this. Will you pray with me? It'll bring healing, I promise you. It will. Absolutely will. A lot of times I think we don't have time to listen to God. And in society and the culture we're living in today, I think this has got a lot of our problems wrapped up into one little symbolic thing. Yeah. Amen? Sure. Amen? So what I'm going to ask you to do, I want you to bring these up here. If anybody's got one of these in your pocket, I want you to bring it up here and I want you to lay it down right here beside mine. Anybody's got one, just bring it up here and lay it down. You, you can just lay them all out there. You, they can be in a row. They can be on this side too. You can keep them over here. Uh-oh. They're dropping like flies. Huh? There we go. They're still coming. It's like an old-fashioned altar call here. There's people coming from everywhere. This is a good symbolic thing because it's, it's painting a picture that every one of us has got problems. Amen. We, we've all got troubles. Uh-oh. Oh, Lord, here we go. It's okay. What? We, we got a good sim, symbolic thing. All right, so here's the deal. I, I, I was praying, and, 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 and I feel like that just as, as a feeling that, you know, I work off of feelings. That's what I'm going to work off of is feeling that, that we're just going to leave these up here, and you guys can pick them up next week. So <laughs> as a church, you come back next week, and, and you're going to pray all week long and try to hear from God, and if you hear from God something, then next week you can come back and pick them up, and and you you can you can get it back. Everybody good? We're dismissed. Love God, love people. See you next week. Not no, I'm playing. <laughs> I'm afraid they'll get stolen. The church will be liable for them or something. We we can't afford to buy all them. There's a lot of money laying right there. But really though, what if that was a rule? What if God did take our cell phone or our internet or whatever? And what if he took it from us for a week? How much fear enters our heart like, oh, my goodness. How would I call? How would I talk? How would I text my kids? How would I, how would I hear from people? And, right? It, it's like a panic sets in. It does for me because a lot of my, my work is on that. I mean, I, how could you get winter text in the morning, Sandy, not to show up for work? You'd be driving your bus, and they'd be, yeah, you'd be around the ridge whether they cancel school and she'd be running the ridge. Didn't know, didn't get the text, didn't get the phone call. What if we worried about not hearing from God more than worrying about hearing from this? What if we use that? And I'm not saying to fear God because it says in Timothy that he didn't give us a spirit of fear but of power, love, and a sound mind. I'm just saying, what if we take a moment and take a break and say, this week, God, I want to listen. And I'm tired of just coming and hearing sermons and walking and living the same life. Let me hear you this week. And turning your phone on airplane mode for maybe a half hour and saying, God, speak to me because there's too many teenagers who need to come and hear a new, a new message in a youth room. Maybe it's God telling you to go pick one up and bring them Amen. and drive them up here and then come back and get them and take them back home after it's over. You never know what God will ask you to do if you'll listen. We need to hear him, church. We need to listen to him. Amen. And we need to do what he asks us to do. Won't you stand? Don't just bow your head and close your eyes. I just want to ask you a very simple question. How many in this room would 
Nobody looking around. Nobody worried about everybody else. I just want to know because I want to know how to pray for you. Everybody here that say, Pastor, that's me that you're speaking to. And I've been blaming God for not speaking, but it was actually me not listening. And I'm ready to start listening. Anybody just raise your hand and say, that's me. I'm ready to start listening, God. I know you're speaking. I just want to hear you. Amen. Thank you for those hands. Amen. Thank you for those hands. Amen. You can put those hands down. God, I want to hear you worse than I hear myself on. I want to hear you more, God. I want to pray for you. Father God, we come to you in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray for every individual that's here today, for the kids in the basement, for the teachers, for everyone that came out on this wintry day to hear a message from you. And God, I pray, Lord, that you penetrated hearts in this place today. Lord, that your word become alive. Lord, that it's going to take up roots. And God, as you speak to people, Throughout this week, God, as they go out in the highways and byways, that they go into their daily lives, going to work. Lord, as they take off out and go grocery shopping and go through the bank, that they go to the post office, God, that they will listen for that still, small voice that you can speak to them. And God, I pray that you would just give us your comfort of the Holy Spirit of knowing that we're in the center of your will. God, that we're right where you need us to be. And God, that you will use us to speak to people that need to hear about you. Help us to be a church that invites our friends, our neighbors, and our community to come worship with us as we worship you, the creator of it all. The peace that we need. God, help it every person in this room give them peace Lord let love flow over in their heart to even people they don't like very much let love come out what the enemy meant for harm turn it around for good God your word tells us that you will for the ones that raised their hand God I pray that you would speak in a louder voice than you ever have God that they would know without a doubt that it's you and that you're speaking to them and that you have a will for their life. Give them the ability and strength to do it, to follow through on what you say. You are our hope. You are our eternal reward. Help us to live for your son while we're here on earth. In Jesus' name. Amen.